Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Face Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC at Light 100.5 WRCH. Our guest this week is Mary Jane Foster. She's the president and CEO of Interval House. We've got a number of issues to talk about this morning, but I think that we should start off with Love Shouldn't Hurt, their annual event to raise awareness of teen violence in romantic relationships. Good morning, Mary Jane. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Great to talk with you. You know, you had that event on Valentine's Day this week. You've held it on Valentine's Day a number of years now, from what I understand, from what I recall. Yes, yes. It's um, it's our way of bringing awareness to um, a subject that is difficult for a lot of people, but it also um, ties in so perfectly with Valentine's Day, a day that's supposed to celebrate loving relationships. And so it's a day when we bring together um, our men's group called Men Make a Difference, Men Against Domestic Violence. Men need to be role models in this. And we bring together also as many teens Um, their teachers and parents as we can, um, just to talk openly about this issue. I think we should start at the very beginning of this issue. What is the root of it? Why, you know, are teens turning violent with their partners? Well, I think we all wonder why there is a rise in intimate partner abuse, regardless of age. But we have not recognized until, oh, a decade ago, that it also exists in young dating relationships. And um, interestingly, the CDC has said that one in three teens experience some form of abuse in their dating relationship. It could go from bullying um, to controlling uh, and, and physical, sexual um, and technology uh, abuses over the chart, um, off the chart rather. And so the interesting thing is that the CDC then said of, of the, the 33% of teens who experience this, only 30%, only another third of them ever tell anyone about it. And then the last alarming statistic from their survey is that 82% of parents don't believe it's an issue for their child. So it's really important that we raise this topic and talk about it. It does happen, it does occur, and it occurs with some frequency. And I think for those of us who are older, we need to go back and think about those first flushes of romance in our life. It's the first time that you've got a crush on someone, maybe. 
Um, you think, you know, you're falling in love um, and, and you don't really know how to manage those emotions. And then on top of that, there is an overlay of, of behavior that you just don't understand. And um, for lots of parents, they miss the signs. And for teens, they're not sure what the signs are. So February, as Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, is really important for us to get out the word. You brought up so many great topics there, Mary Jane, and I'm talking with Mary Jane Foster, President and CEO of Interval House. I think we should talk about those signs. What should people, maybe parents in the audience, be looking for in their children, or maybe we have some teens in the audience, what should they be aware of? Well, let's start with teens first. If you are in a relationship, um, you may experience all kinds of things. It it might start with sort of love bombing, which is an intense period of over-the-top attention and affection, maybe gifts. It's just sort of almost a smothering of affection and love. That's what it, it looks like and feels like initially. But then it becomes a matter of controlling. And control can happen any number of ways, but it goes to the basic core of intimate partner abuse for any age, which is isolating someone from their family and their friends. Uh, In teens, we see isolating them from sports, isolating them from um, good academic performance. You don't need to do that. That's not important. Is your study more important than being with me? You're spending all of this time with your friends. What about me? Why are, why are you out uh, working out with the team every day? I have no time with you. Why don't you um, not do that? So it's controlling. And then, of course, the technology, the constant texting. Um, I'm talking to you. You get back to me. Why haven't you answered me? Who are you with? Why were you wearing that outfit today? I don't like the way you looked. And that is rampant and incessant and happens all of the time, really, really all of the time. And then there is unwanted sexual uh, advances and forced sex that happens in these relationships as well as the physical. So that's what teens can, can look for. And what I say often is if, if you are in a relationship where your heart is in your throat and you feel like you're walking on eggshells, you need to think carefully about your circumstances because there may be red flags everywhere that you are missing. For parents, it more often than not tracks the following. A change in mood in your teenager, uh, a change in their behavior, and it might be that they're alone more often, that they don't want to go out, that they stop seeing their friends, um, their grades begin to drop. As I mentioned uh, with the teen dating violence, they begin to drop activities, where it's at, whether it's after school clubs or it's sports or it's um, activities in their, their houses of faith. They just withdraw from things. 
other than this relationship that they are currently in. And last, I would say that it is incredibly important for parents to acknowledge this behavior in the most judgmental way possible. Really hard to do when you're a parent and you are scared for your child. Uh, but to, to say, are you okay? Are you feeling good? Is there anything I need to know about or anything you'd like to tell me? You can always talk to me. I'm here for you. Judgment-free zone here. Tell me whatever you'd like. Just be open and don't be hesitant, number one, and don't be hesitant, number two, to ask again and again and again so that maybe parents can help break this cycle. As far as breaking that cycle, you mentioned that only a third of these end up being reported, correct? The CDC refers to reporting as disclosing to someone, a trusted um, friend or family member or advisor. I would suggest that if you are that person in whom a teen confides, that you talk with them, um, again, in a non-judgmental way, and um, help them understand that there is no excuse for abuse, that love should not hurt, and there are alternatives um, that they can choose um, not to be in that relationship or to um, do other things with their life, and also to remember that there are resources out there. Um, as a, for instance, there is a statewide hotline in Connecticut called Safe Connect, and they are online, but their hotline number is 888-774-2900. That's 888-774-2900. And you can call there for advice or to give a teen privacy and space. You can give that number to a teen and have that teen call that hotline. If you are in Hartford or the Hartford region, Interval House is here for you. And our hotline is 860-838-8467. Again, our hotline is 860-838-8467. And what I want people to know about those hotline numbers is we tend to associate a hotline with crisis. But in fact, the majority of our calls come from people who are looking for information. They are people who are either in a relationship or know someone, usually a family member or actually a work colleague, or in this case, it might be a friend at school, who is in a relationship that is suddenly turned and it feels different and it feels dark and it feels anxious and maybe scary, and they are looking for information as to why and to what that means. So do not hesitate to call those hotline numbers. They are free. They are 24-7, 365 days a year, and they are confidential. They are absolutely, utterly confidential. 
So you can talk freely and openly, knowing that whatever you say is held in strictest confidence. But there are resources out there. Also, uh, you can go online and Google uh, intimate partner or teen dating violence and look at some of the information out there. I will warn folks that if you Google teen dating violence, you will see some really horrific stories out there about what have happened to teens in um, these abusive relationships. Uh, But that is a reminder to all of us to shine a light on this issue. As far as the aggressors go, Mary Jane, are there resources to help them learn what they're doing is wrong and that they hopefully won't repeat it again in the future? That's such a wonderful question. I'm, I'm so glad you asked it. Yes, there are. Uh, again, if you go online, there are all uh, kinds of um, resources for understanding healthy relationships, understanding what may provoke um, uh, anger or this kind of controlling behavior. One of the things that Interval House does, and I want all of your listeners to know, is that we provide education and prevention training to schools, to libraries, uh, houses of faith, uh, to any group. And we are more than happy to come talk to Uh, people about this issue. Um, The way I have come to understand that intimate partner abuse, regardless of your age, is an intergenerational issue. So very often what we see in teens is that they are reporting, they, excuse me, they are repeating behavior that they have seen in their own lives at home. And as a, for instance, when I'm out speaking with groups, particularly teens, I can see from time to time a light bulb go off and they begin, they are understanding that what is happening at home is abusive. And I, I can't tell you how often I see these light bulbs go off and, and teens will come to me after a presentation or to our community educator and ask questions about that. If you think about it, it's not surprising. We all, we all do what we know. And if you've grown up in, a, in an abusive or violent home, you are going to repeat that either as an abuser or you are going to expect to become a victim. So one of the most important things we can do is this prevention piece but also provide access to training and services on healthy relationships and what a good and kind and loving and open um, relationship looks like. I'm talking with Mary Jane Foster, Interval House President and CEO, this morning on Face Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC, and also Light 100.5 WRCH. I'm glad you brought up, Mary Jane, that part. In fact, I was just about to ask, because great minds think alike here, how do teens perceive this? You know, you're talking with them, and these are some, I'm sure, difficult conversations to be having when you go to schools and you talk about this and you and your team, but yet so important to have these conversations with the kids. 
It generally, um, and we try to provide educators who are much closer to teens in age. Uh, that's always helpful. But um, we we all, regardless of, of who is out there presenting, uh, usually, de- depending on the size of the group and the mix of the group, uh, very often it begins with a... Um, a quiet period uh, and um, everybody looking at their hands or someplace else. And, and then it begins to evolve. And we have different exercises, um, sort of icebreaker activities, so that we can get um, those listeners thinking about the issue and talking about the issue indirectly so that when we can bring it back in to what might be closer to home, they, the teens are more open to speaking about it. And very often it's hypothetical. We may know or think it may or may not be hypothetical, but very often it's hypothetical. Sometimes it is intensely personal. We always honor how brave it is for someone to share information. And we remind uh, folks that this is a safe space and that it is a place to be respectful of other people's feelings and to acknowledge that they are all worthy. Um, And we find very, very often that after a period of time, teams open up. One of the things, we have a new partnership with the Boys and Girls Club of Hartford where we are with them and their teens. They work with anywhere from 800 to 1,200 Hartford uh, youth every year. And we are there on a weekly basis rotating through their various teen groups. So it's, it's a range of ages, but we are there consistently. Additionally, the statewide coalition has trained their staff. So their staff is trained in understanding what teen dating violence or abuse might look like, and they can recognize it. So we are there consistently with people who are trained to see it. This is a brand new partnership, but I believe that if we continue to work closely with them, if they have the support of the staff that they see all of the time, that we will be able to help break this cycle. I think it has to be a regular and consistent uh, message. It has to be a message that comes not just from the outside, but also from the inside so that we can break this cycle. I will say, and here I'm getting on my soapbox a bit, but our numbers since the beginning of COVID are up over 30% in the number of victims we serve. And those numbers are not going down. That might be because people are more aware of the resources and the issue. We've elevated it, and so they are more likely to report, or it may be an increase in the abuse. But whatever it is, our numbers are up 30%, and they are not going down. And we are also seeing an increase in violence, an increase in violation of protection orders, 
which shows a total lack of respect for the law. And so it is clear to me that while we are good at crisis intervention, we save lives, we change lives every single day, we have to start at the top of the river. And we have to dedicate ourselves equally to prevention. If we don't do that, we are not going to break this cycle. And I will tell you that I'm just, Interval House is just one of 18 agencies, and we're the largest. But we served 6,800 people last year. This is not sustainable. If we continue to grow these numbers, we won't have enough resources for everyone. So we are going, just to go back to that parable, to the top of the river, and we are trying to catch people before they fall into that river. We are going towards prevention, and that takes help. Uh, Your listeners, what they can do is tell people what they've heard this morning. They can tell people about this issue and invite us to your organizations. Bring us in to talk to parents, to talk to youth, to talk to educators, to any civic group that might be invested, and we're all invested because we all have family, friends, maybe children, work colleagues who have experienced this. The reality is one in four women and one in seven men will experience this. One in three teens are experiencing this. So it's everywhere. We are all or should be all invested in prevention. As we talk about prevention in our final moments here, Mary Jane Foster, president and CEO of Interval House, could you go down the information again just so everybody has a moment to take it down and make sure that they got it from what we talked about earlier, the phone numbers that people should know, the websites, everything that they should know to get a hold of you and other resources? Sure. The uh, Interval House number, if you are in Hartford or the Hartford region, we are Interval House, I-N-T-E-R-V-A-L-H-O-U-S-E. Our website is intervalhousect.org. And our hotline, our direct dial hotline is 860-838-8467. Again, that's 860-838-8467. And the website is intervalhousect.org. If you are elsewhere uh, in the state, there is a statewide hotline. Um, which is 888-774-2900. Again, that's 888-774-2900. And the Safe Connect and from the Safe Connect website is with the Kinetic Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Uh, that's CT. C-A-D-V dot org. C-T-C-A-D-V dot org. And there will be information on both the Interval House website and the Safe Connect, uh, Connecticut Coalition Against Domestic Violence website, um, that where you can go and just get information as well as reach the, the hotlines. So I, I hope anyone who is listening who has an additional interest 
will uh, take a look at those websites. I hate to say it, but we're completely out of time. I appreciate everything that you've done in talking about this issue with us this morning on Face Connecticut. Any final thoughts, Mary Jane? I just want to thank you very much for this time and your listeners for taking the time uh, to spend hearing about this issue. Um, These are our youth. These are our future. And so we need to be sure that we give them every opportunity we can to live lives free and safe of fear. So thank you very, very much, and thanks so much to your listeners. You're very welcome. Mary Jane Foster, their president and CEO of Interval House. We'll talk again, I'm sure. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Great. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.